listening to Beyond the Game. I love you guys. Love the program. You're already famous in Rochester, but watch out world. It's a faith-based sports radio program. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. I love everything about it. The, the, the beards, the handshakes. That just means I'm never leaving my kids alone with you. The ladies are digging my sweet bass. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome in, everybody, to the Beyond the Game program. Glad you could join us. Rick Benson along with Zach Barletta. Talking sports, doing it from a faith-based point of view. But today's show is going to be a little different. We're going to talk some politics. Joining us now is the Reverend Jason McGuire. Jason is the president of New Yorker's Family Research Foundation. He works tirelessly defending traditional Christian values in the arena of New York state politics. Jason, welcome to the program. So glad you could join us. Hey, it's good to be with you. Thank you for the opportunity. To many of our listeners here in Western New York, tuning in on the great WYSL, your voice is familiar, your ministry well-known. But for the benefit, however, of those who may not be familiar, our podcast listeners across the nation, would you mind taking a few minutes to tell us about New York Family Research Foundation? Yeah, New Yorkers Family Research Foundation uh, is our educational arm, where we often say that you know we, we believe that strong families make a strong state. And so our organization uh, really helps people to be equipped and empowered uh, to make a difference in their state government and with their congressional delegation in Washington, D.C. We want to support policies in government that are supportive of the family. So pro-life, pro-family, pro-religious liberty. Uh, We proclaim the biblical concepts of justice and mercy. And then we have this uh, lobbying arm because I am a lobbyist. And so I work with the New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms is our lobbying arm where we say we exist to influence legislation and legislators for the Lord Jesus Christ. So we want to influence not just on the laws of the land, but also the hearts of our elected officials. And so Tuesday mornings, we have a Bible study at the Capitol, and uh, and then we spend the day kind of lobbying the issues and talking about things that are from a distinctly Christian perspective in our state Capitol and with our congressional delegation in Washington, D.C. Well, we appreciate you doing that. Some may be listening on the radio and they're thinking to themselves that they thought this was a sports program, but Sports are not isolated from many of the issues which you deal with regularly, and one of those such issues is the recreational use of marijuana. Now, we have three professional football teams representing areas of our state, and I have to say it that way because my co-host, Zach, he's obsessed with pointing out that the Bills are the only New York team, even though the Giants— He's a good man, that co-host. He's a good man. (laughs) Well, you can— all right, I know what team you root for. I'm I'm a Giants fan, so I'm always reminding them the Giants represent the city. They have a lot of fans across the state. But anyway, football players, professional, college, otherwise, a lot of them endorse the use of marijuana medicinally for pain relief. New York State Governor Andrew Cuomo likes to promote the potential financial benefit to our state, but it's not as simple as that, is it? Speak about that for a bit and Maybe educate us about some of the problems which come along with legalizing recreational marijuana usage. Yeah, I think you made a good distinction there because honestly, even organizationally, when medical marijuana was coming down the pike, we had to examine and think about our organization's position on the issue. And for me, it basically comes down to this. I believe that God did make all things good. Um, I believe in a creator who, who did make all things good. But I also believe in man's ability to pervert the intents and the purposes of what God created as good. So are there some medicinal benefits of marijuana? There probably are. And and that's something that I wish we would be going through FDA research, that it would be uh, documented, we'd get FDA approval, be able to move forward in that way. When medical marijuana was coming down the pike in our state, uh, we ultimately took a position to where we worked to get the smokable form of marijuana out of the medicinal form, uh, medical uh, marijuana law, 
because we did not believe that it was ever good to smoke. There's no doctor that will tell you that's, that there's a health benefit of smoking, right? So we got the, um, the, the smokable form out of there, but there were other forms of marijuana like oils and, and creams and different things that are allowed under our medical marijuana law. The real issue, though, now is the legalization of marijuana and what we say is the full-blown commercialization of marijuana because we're not talking about the marijuana of the 60s and the 70s. I mean, this is not you know some bad Cheech and Chong movie that people are talking about anymore. Uh, this is a much stronger, much more potent marijuana, and frankly, the marijuana of today is being um, lobbied by big pot people that are really targeting youth. That's why you're seeing uh, THC-infused gummy bears and Pop-Tarts and, and things that really are geared towards a younger generation is they are trying to hook a younger generation on marijuana in many of the same ways that Joe Camel was used decades ago to hook a younger generation on smoking. And so we see the devastation that came with that. So this really is about the commercialization of marijuana. New York has already decriminalized small amounts of pot. Now we're talking about whether or not the state is going to have a vested interest in promoting it. And that's something that we uh, really do object to and we're fighting against. We're talking with Jason McGuire, president of New Yorkers Family Research Foundation. You can visit their website, newyorkfamilies.org, or follow Jason on Twitter, at Rev J. McGuire. Another issue directly involving sports is that of legalized sports betting. The governor has proposed expanding sports gambling from its current limitation to only within designated lounges and casinos. What concerns do you have which our listeners should be aware of regarding the governor's proposed changes? Well, much like we have with uh, mentioning with Big Pot and the commercialization of marijuana, uh, we see this this idea of gambling in our state that it's always state-sponsored and state-controlled. So remember, from, from a libertarian perspective, we're not talking about somebody having the right to be able to, to do sports betting in their living room or in, in, as an individual to participate uh, in various forms of gambling. We're saying this is now the state would have to allow in certain locations at certain times certain forms of gambling that, wink, wink, they're also going to take a cut from. And once again, we see the state is pursuing the predatory enterprise of gambling. It's a very addictive thing. And one of the problems that I have with the sports betting is I think it really can change the game. I'm noticing increasingly as I'm watching various forms of sports that the odds are put up on the screens. And and that has to have an impact on the sport and how people relate to that. And if we get into the mobile sports betting, now we're talking about what I think is unconstitutional under our law. Um, that would have to have a constitutional change if the state wanted to go after mobile sports betting. But it's very addictive, and there's an anonymity to it uh, that really you can be losing your rent money and, and food money and everything else. Um, you can get in pretty deep before anybody knows about it. So I just don't think it's a good idea for the state to be encouraging uh, sports betting simply so they can take their cut out of it. Many sports fans know that Tim Tebow, as a kid in Florida, though he was homeschooled, he was able to play sports with the public school kids. New York State doesn't currently allow that. I know a number of families, you probably do too, whose children would be advantaged if it did, and probably the school too would benefit from having these homeschool kids on their team. Considering how little homeschool families get for their school tax dollars, let me hear your thoughts about allowing them to play sports with schools within their district. Yeah, so you, re- you referenced Tim Tebow there, and so a lot of states have what's known as the Tebow Bill, and uh, that's essentially legislation that's promoted that would allow homeschoolers to participate in public school sports. 
Now, I'll admit that even in the homeschool community, there is sometimes some division on this. There are homeschoolers who say, hey, we don't want our kids to be able to participate in public school sports. We think it will bring increased regulation, or I'm not uh, choosing to participate in the public school, so why would I want my kids to, to play sports? I view it a little differently, though. I see it as a parental rights issue that each parent could decide whether or not they want their child to participate in that school's uh, sports programs. And so I see it as, as your reference, that we pay all the taxes, we participate, and if these parents want to have their kids participate in public sports, I would welcome the opportunity to have the homeschool students uh, given the opportunity to do that. Now, this legislation is being proposed by Senator Martinez in Long Island and Assemblyman Al Sturpey uh, in the central New York region. And it simply would allow districts, would give them permission to say, look, if you, if you want to allow kids to play in your, in your public school sports, then they can do so. Students would still have to meet all the immunization requirements. Uh, their behavioral uh, standards would have to be up there. Um, their grades, I mean, everything else would, would be consistent. So it's, it's not just anybody can play anytime they want. They got to try out for the sports. Um, but ultimately, it does give parents a choice and allows those kids to participate in programs they might not always um, and otherwise have the opportunity to do. And I would just add that, you know, we're playing, my kids attend a private Christian school, and we're noticing how difficult it is to field teams, not just at our private Christian school, but even the public school sports are having a hard time putting teams together. And so adding a few homeschool kids from a community could be the, you know, the difference between whether or not that school can actually have a team going forward. I think it's time to seriously consider this. That's a great point. Do you think there's a good chance of this moving forward? I'm not hugely optimistic. Um, mm. Legislation takes a long time to, to, to hang around before legislators begin to move on it in most circumstances. And frankly, I think there's some hostility at the state ed department towards the homeschooling community. And I think that as long as state ed is, is opposing this bill, it's going to be difficult to move. But that's why parents need to get engaged. And so if you go to our website at albanyupdate.com, albanyupdate.com, and you click on the Legislative Action Center, they can quickly and easily send an email to their legislators letting them know that they support this legislation. Once again, we're talking with Jason McGuire, president of New Yorker's Family Research Foundation. You can follow him on Twitter at Rev J. McGuire. We've known each other for a few years now, Jason, but I'm not sure I've ever had the chance to hear how you first came to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Would you mind taking a minute and, and sharing your testimony with our listeners? Not at all. One of my favorite stories. You know, I was uh, a kid growing up in the Buffalo, New York area. I was in a suburb of Depew, actually. And I remember uh, one day, uh, Mrs. Hill was a little lady from Georgia. She had moved into the duplexes next door. and She just came knocking on the door and invited me out to vacation Bible school. Now, I'll admit, I was a kid that had just gotten out of school. The idea of going to vacation Bible school didn't sound good to me with my summer. But she said they had games and crafts and snacks. And uh, I was not big on the, uh, the idea of the crafts, but I sure did like the games and the snacks. And so I agreed <laughs> to go. Um, you know, long story short, and I heard the the gospel that week. I heard about this Jesus. I had attended a much larger church, uh, but it wasn't very personal. And this was a much smaller church. They took the time just to love on me. Uh, my family started attending there, and uh, some time later, uh, we had been uh, invited to attend a uh, drive-in movie theater of all things. There was a Christian drive-in movie theater, and I heard the gospel very clearly that night. And I heard of my need for Jesus and how I was a sinner and need of His salvation. And so that night, I simply you know, said to, said to God, "If you're real." I just want you to come into my heart and change my life. I'm sorry for the way I've been living, and I want to live for you from this point forward. And so as a 10-year-old kid, you know, I got real with God, and he introduced himself to me, and I've been walking with him since. And I just love encouraging people today to, to uh, no matter what stage of life you're in, whether you're 10 years old or 100 years old, and if you're still sucking air, today is the day to uh, come to know your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Well said. I, I love hearing people's testimonies. You got a big event coming up March 17th at the Capitol. I'll be seeing you there. Tell us a bit about that and how our listeners can be a part of it. Yeah, we call it Legislative Day, and there's a lot of various legislative days. Various groups bring in their their uh, constituencies to, to to Albany to kind of let their case be known. Uh, but we've been doing this for decades now, and essentially we're going to have about 1,200 mostly evangelical Christians from across the state of New York, uh, a lot of pastors, Christian school kids uh, coming up and listening to speakers like David Barton from uh, Wall Builders and Michael Ferris from Alliance Defending Freedom, formerly of the Homeschool Legal Defense Association. And so it's a day of information where we'll learn about some just tremendous things. We'll talk about legislation. We'll explain how the process works. People often say they leave informed and empowered to make a difference. And before you leave that day-long conference there in the Capitol in Albany, uh, we're actually going to take you over to the Capitol and have you participate in in just a, a public demonstration that just uh, shows your presence in the Capitol. We always do it in a very respectful manner, but we want to remind our legislators that the Christian community is alive and well and is interested in the issues that are going on in Albany. And so we'll pick a current relevant issue uh, around middle of March, and we'll take a stand on that issue in the Capitol and remind legislators um, where we are on that. And so, you know, I encourage people to check it out. You go to our website, uh, newyorkfamilies.org, or at albanyupdate.com. You can register for that event, and I, I guarantee you it will blow you away just to how much you're going to learn in one day about your state government, how you can be involved, and how important it is that you uh, are there to make a difference. Legislators really do look to our numbers. And, you know, if we're down seven, 800, they'll say, well, you know, the, the community is down. They're not as engaged this year. Then you pop back up around 12, 1,300 people. They say, whoa, you know, this group is engaged. And they pay attention to our issues. So every year we do this, we try to bring as many bodies up as we can and just show the legislature uh, this is something that you need to pay attention to. Before we let you go, Jason, what are some things our listeners can be in prayer about for you? Well, one of the first things I encourage people to pray for is that big legislative day coming up. Uh, there are a lot of issues coming up. We've discussed some of them on here, but there's a host of others. And so we really do want to get people coming out. It's our biggest event of the year, and so we always make that a major prayer request. Um, secondly, we're working on uh, renovating our office headquarters in Rochester, New York. And we're essentially launching an institute, a, a training institute, to get people engaged in civic government. And so we want them to be able to to learn how to make a difference. And so we'll have kind of an ongoing school here uh, helping people to learn how to do that. You know, I tell people, you can pray for my purity when I'm traveling around. You know, it's uh, many of the temptations that you hear about men facing when they're traveling and uh, business trips and various things or, or what I face as I'm traveling around the state or around the country working on these issues. And I always remind people, also pray for Mrs. McGuire's sanity as she's at home trying to keep all things together while I'm traveling around. So I say uh, you can pray for my purity and her sanity are two great requests for our family. Jason, thanks again for joining us. I pray that God would keep you energized because I know how hard you work on keeping New Yorkers aware of all that's going on. I pray that God would bless you, and thanks so much for spending time with us. Thank you, Rick. I really appreciate the opportunity. That's the Reverend Jason McGuire joining us here on the Beyond the Game program. His ministry is New Yorkers Family Research Foundation. You can visit their website, newyorkfamilies.org. You can also follow Jason on Twitter at Rev J. McGuire. So nice to have you along. I'm Rick Benson. He's Zach Barletta. This is the Beyond the Game program. This Red Hawks recap is brought to you by Roberts Wesleyan College. Looking back on the last week in Roberts Wesleyan College Athletics, covering up through Thursday, February 27th. 
Let's kick off this week's recap in lacrosse, where on Saturday the women's team was in Florida taking on number 23 St. Leo University, coming up just short, losing 16-15. to Taylor Nathan scored five goals, while Jamie Walker and Emily Tomei added three goals apiece. After having beaten number 17 Pace University last week and almost upsetting number 23 St. Leo, the Roberts Wesleyan women's lacrosse team have been named as the 25th ranked team in the country, the first ever national ranking in program history. Also on Saturday, the men's lacrosse team rolled over Felician University on the road 19-2. Hunter Lemieux led the scoring for the Red Hawks with six goals. In track, both the Roberts Wesleyan indoor track and field teams took second place on Saturday at the East Coast Conference Championships. Seniors Josiah Adelini and Christopher Sims leading the way for the Red Hawks men in their final ECC indoor championship meets. Adelini won at 800 meters and one mile, while Sims earned titles in the 3,000 meter and 5,000 meter races. Michaela Beerley led the way for the women with wins in the 3,000 and 5,000 meter races. It was senior night at home on Sunday as the women's basketball team defeated the University of the District of Columbia 74-63. Sarah Nady hit another career high in her last regular season home game, scoring 28 points for the Red Hawks. Emily Miller added 15 points and Taryn Wilson 13 in the win. The men also defeated D.C. 65-61. Armand Nasiri, Amari Lee, and Shane Fanning all scoring 14 points for the Red Hawks. Coming up, it's a lacrosse doubleheader on Saturday, February 29th as the Red Hawks host Alderson Broadus University. The women's match is scheduled for 11 a.m., followed by the men at 2. The teams are home again on Saturday, March 7th, as the men take on St. Michael's College at 11 a.m., followed by the women taking on Slippery Rock University at 2. Go on out, support the Red Hawks, Rochester's only Division II college athletics program. Remember, you can follow all the Roberts Wesleyan Athletics action at their website, robertsredhawks.com, as well as on Twitter, at RWC Red Hawks. This has been the Red Hawks Recap, presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College, where athletics are fundamental to our commitment to educate for character. Our athletic program is strong and getting stronger every year. We offer 17 varsity sports, from lacrosse and basketball to track and field and soccer, and the only Division II athletic program in the area. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Hey everybody, it's Benson. You probably know that Beyond the Game is a different kind of sports talk radio program. Sports conversation and Bible verses mixed together? Why would anybody do that? Here's why. Because the message of Jesus Christ is so important that we use sports to appeal to sports fans. Trying to be, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, all things to all men that I might by all means save some. You see, all of us are sinners. And because we are, we can't get to heaven on our own merit. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But it also tells us that God loves us. So much so that he sent his son who was the only one who never sinned. And though he did not need to die, willingly did so on the cross as a sacrifice to pay the debt of all our sin. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Why? Because God wants us all to be saved from an eternity in hell. 1 Timothy 2.4 says he desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. But the good news is Jesus didn't stay in the grave. Instead, he rose again, defeating death and making it possible for us to go to heaven as a result of his righteousness. You see, that's the grace of God we want to tell you about. Sports Talk Radio allows us to bring that message of the forgiveness of sins to sports fans all around the world. 
Forgiveness of sins is available to all people everywhere. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Bible says that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. I hope you pray to God. I hope you confess to him that you know yourself to be a sinner and tell him that you know and believe that Jesus died on the cross for you and begin a new way of life turning from sin and seeking after God. If you want to know more about what it means to be a Christian, you can visit our website, btgprogram.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. Along with Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Beyond the Game program. Here now is Zach Barletta to take us through this week's shenanigan statements. Number one, our idiot friend Darren, <laughs> who used to be a co-host on this show, said that because of the injury to Yankees pitcher Luis Severino, the Padres will have a better record than the New York Yankees this upcoming season. Truth or shenanigans, Darren is an idiot and the Yankees have enough depth <laughs> to be just fine. Um, I agree. Two parts. I agree yeah. strongly that Darren is an idiot, but I also agree that the Yankees will be just fine. Look, Darren hits every four or five years on uh-huh. one of these outrageous predictions he makes. But then again, even a blind squirrel will find a nut every once in a while. <laughs> the Yankees won over 100 games last year, and they didn't have Luis Severino then. And, and of course, they didn't have Garrett Cole either. So mm. now they do. I think they have enough depth to piece it together until Paxton comes back and, and even eventually till Herman comes back. And I, I think they can piece it together. I think they'll be just fine. Yeah, I agree. You look at this roster, and it's actually, even without the guys that are injured right now, added pieces from last year. Yeah, Paxton's out right now, but he'll be back, and he missed some time last year, so that's about the same. They don't have Severino. Like you said, they didn't have him last year. They do have Miguel and Duhar back. They do have Garrett Cole. I mean, basically, you look at this team, it's a lot like last year's team, except you have Andujar, and Garrett Cole replaces the starts that you got from Domingo Herman and Luis Sessa. And all those mostly forgettable games. And I think you'd agree Garrett Cole is an upgrade over both those guys. He's an upgrade over, <laughs> if you stitched both those guys together, he would still be an upgrade He'd over. Be upgra- upgrade over every guy and in the major not leagues. To, it's not to take a shot at the Padres, because the Padres are a fun and very talented and exciting young team. But, I mean, they're trying their best to get to where the Yankees are right now. Number two, this week the owner of the Los Angeles team from Major League Soccer said that his league will pass Major League Baseball in popularity. Truth or shenanigans, you agree with this assessment? No, I don't agree with it. Shenanigans. Uh, Yeah, great. They must love LAFC out there in L.A. I have no idea. Now, I will say this, perhaps one day. I mean, soccer, the amount of people that play soccer, young people, but I think they have the same problem as baseball does, and they may be playing the game, but I'm not aware of anybody that's really watching it. The diehard soccer fans are indeed watching it, but not faithfully like the NFL. And he also said uh, one day they will attain the same popularity as the NFL. Good luck with that. That's not happening. happening. And to say that you're going to reach, you're going to surpass Major League Baseball within 10 years. No. No, get out of here. Look, they're not even going to attain the same popularity as the XFL. Major League Soccer is 
like you said, it's for the diehards. It's like hockey. Each sport has a diehard audience that watches daily, lives and dies, eats and breathes with the sport, but they're the minority. As much as I hate to say that about hockey, that's the way it is. That's probably the way it's always going to be. And that's how it is with soccer. It's just not appealing to the mainstream. It's something that kids play when they're small, so they have something to do to keep them running around and give their parents a break. That's what soccer is as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) After saying that the New York Giants were open for business, General Manager Dave Gettleman said this week, he's not putting any expectations on quarterback Daniel Jones. Both he and new head coach Joe Judge have been noncommittal to Jones. He has no expectations because he's already seen enough to know that Daniel Jones is not the answer for the Giants, and they're going to get a veteran quarterback before next season. What say you? I I say shenanigans. I I think the Giants are just keeping their options open. And and listen, if a a free agent like maybe a Ryan Tannehill just fell into their lap, I think they would consider, well, maybe Jones could back up and, and develop a little bit more if the right deal fell in their lap. But I don't think they're expecting that. So I say shenanigans. I don't think they're they're going to land a quarterback unless it fell into their lap. I do agree with you that Daniel Jones is the quarterback. Look, Joe Judge just got there. He hasn't coached Daniel Jones yet. So of course he's noncommittal. He might have even not have even met the guy in person yet. Um, and as far as Dave Gettleman, I think Dave Gettleman's job is riding on him being correct about Daniel Jones. Generally, when you miss on a quarterback and miss badly, you lose your job. So I think Dave Gettleman needs Daniel Jones to be the quarterback. So I think his job is pretty safe. Before we close down the show for this week, let's give you Are You Like That? Proverbs chapter 17, 22 tells us that a joyful heart is good medicine. What I like this week is the revelation of Mason Saunders. Saunders is the alias used by Madison Bumgarner, the three-time World Series champion pitcher who now plays for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Bumgarner uses the alias to secretly compete in rodeo calf roping events, and you know how I love rodeo. In fact, last December, he won over $26,000 in rodeo competition. Rodeo has been a hobby of his since he was 15 years old. In fact, the San Jose Giants, the Class A affiliate of Bumgarner's former team, must like it as well as they have announced that they'll host a Mason Saunders night, encouraging fans to show up dressed in rodeo outfits. Madison Bumgarner, or should I say Mason Saunders living his life and doing what he loves to do, is what I like this week. So Benson, I didn't use the Carolina goalie, the 42-year-old Zamboni driver, for my You Like That this week, because I thought for sure that was going to be yours, but I think he deserves a mention. Yeah, he does, but the same reason I didn't use him is because I thought for (laughs) sure you would, but that that was an incredible story. It's almost like we're bad at communication. Anyways, (laughs) what I used is as a, a tweet that I found from Bleacher Report's Gridiron today. TCU defensive tackle Ross Blacklock is at the Combine currently. He's going to get drafted by an NFL team this year. He did not know until he interviewed with the Raiders today that he had 37 outstanding parking tickets. Apparently, the school takes care of parking tickets for its students, so he never actually had to pay any of them and was blissfully unaware, but the Raiders, in doing their homework, found out. And so today at the NFL Combine, TCU defensive tackle Ross Blacklock found out for the first time that he has 37 outstanding parking tickets. And that's what I liked this week. Well, that'll do it. That's the end of our show for this week. Thanks so much for being with us. I want to let you know that the Beyond the Game program is mainly a listener-supported radio ministry. Thanks to all of you who have given both of your time and of your treasure in bringing the good news of the gospel to sports fans all around the world through Sports Talk Radio. We're asking that you would keep us in your prayers, and that if God lays it on your heart to make a financial contribution to this ministry, whether it be a one-time gift or a recurring amount, please visit our website, 
btgprogram.com. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at this same time. Be bold and be great this week, everybody. Bye.